What's up, everybody? All right. What's up, everybody? Today is Thursday. Or no, no. Today is Tuesday, January 17th, 2023. Welcome to episode number 283 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Nate, M, Omar, Alvarez, JD, David Beard, and the rest of chat are going to be ripping through the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I'll be giving you my... Uh, my opinion and analysis on that based on my uh, years of expertise in the industry. We're going to have a good time. It's useful for people who work in the industry on, you know, basically understanding how to operationalize this knowledge today, this week at work, or if you're looking to break in the industry, tons of value here for you. You're going to learn um, macro level concepts, terminology, current state of affairs, really, really beef up your uh, ability to just wow interviewers. Uh, so stick with us. You're going to love it. But before we get into the news, before we get into the jawjacking or the tidbits Tuesday, as we are prone to do, I do want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsor, starting with my good friend, Barricade Cyber Solutions, Eric Taylor and the gang over there. They're dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for business owners and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Also, if you're on stream watching right now, you can see that I've pulled up Barricade Cyber's website. Uh, if this is all you need right here. Eric Taylor's calendar is right here. Boom, click one, click two, and you're on his schedule having a really uh, casual conversation about your business and how Barricade Cyber can help protect your business or more importantly, recover quickly if you do in fact suffer an, uh, a, a serious cybersecurity incident, whether it's ransomware, you know, business email comrades, wh whatever it is, uh, you definitely want to have them on speed dial. I also want to say shout out and thanks to Eric Capuano, Whitney Champion, the whole gang, over at Recon InfoSec, ReconInfoSec.com, Recon InfoSec's managed detection and response MDR offering includes the people, process, and technology needed to deliver full spectrum security operations to organizations of any size. That means your organization, yes, your organization, small, medium, large. MDR, Managed Detection and Response, is a very scalable solution. They basically just throw agents on all your endpoints, push telemetry into Artemis, their SIM and SOAR um, system that they've developed in-house, probably uh, heavily through Whitney Champion's efforts. She is an amazing engineer and architect, um, if, you, if you know her. Um, and because of that platform, customers of theirs gain full visibility into their own environment, as well as any incident investigations being worked by the Recon SOC team, reconinfosec.com. Check them out in the descriptions below. Guys, MDR, I've said it before, I'll say it every single time I ever mention MDR. It is such a great solution for organizations to get real actual cyber risk reduction and the ability to respond effectively in a timely manner at a fraction of the cost 
of what it would of, of what it would cost, frankly, to hire a bunch of FTEs, full time employees, and the tech stack required to um, implement SIM and SOAR in your environment. Ooh, Jeff Hodgkin just subscribed. Thanks, Jeff, so much. Appreciate it. Now, I also want to remind everybody: if you are in need of CPEs, can uh, say what's up in chat. Half a CPE per episode of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing because it's a little over 30 minutes long. Uh, do check with the uh, policies of your certification body institution to confirm that something like Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing does qualify. I've looked at ISAC and ISC squared um, and you know, based on what I saw, it qualified, but you do want to do your due diligence. Uh, I'm still trying to look into uh, whether or not this counts as a podcast versus a webinar instructor-led webinar but um we'll see i just don't have time to contact isaac personally and dig into it uh if you're live love it definitely drop a hashtag team live in chat i appreciate that love seeing you guys here 107 people tuesdays and thursdays at 10 a.m does disrupt the apple cart of what we normally do here so uh, i know some people said they enjoyed the uh, later day i know my west my west coast people definitely appreciate it uh, I do teach at the Citadel, so until the uh, summer, I will be uh, Tuesday, Thursday, 10 o'clock. If you're Team Replay, hashtag Team Replay in the comments. Make sure you drop those comments. Uh, appreciate you guys catching it on Replay. And remember, you can catch it on your podcast app of choice. Now that all the uh, formalities are out of the way, I'll save the jaw jacking for the, uh, the back half of the show. want to say what's up to the squad members, Ezra, Brady, Mac. Love it, love it, love it. Do contact Isaka; it would be helpful. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, it's on my it's on my uh, schedule. It's just um, I <laughs> you may you may suspect I have an incredible amount of things going on. Uh, so you know, contacting Isaka about something like that just it you know I have to. I've been trying for like. I've been trying for like a week to go get my medicine from the pharmacy. Like that's that's where I'm at right now with my time. Um, all right, so let's get into the news. Sit back, relax, and let the cool the cool sounds of cybersecurity news wash over you in an awesome wave. I'll catch you at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Tuesday, January 17th. 2023. Cyber attack disrupts eSport event. Organizers of the 24 Hours of Le Mans virtual event confirmed it suffered a suspected security breach across two servers used in the event. This resulted in several drivers getting disconnected and thrown out of the game, including current Formula One world champion Max Verstappen, who led the event at the time he got booted. Race organizers said they will take actions to increase security and aim to restart race activities as soon as possible. Interesting. So interesting, interesting. I did not know. First of all, I didn't know that um, this type of event was happening. Oh, thanks for joining the squad. Jeff Hodgkin, definitely appreciate that. Um, I do not. I didn't know about this, but this is pretty cool. So 24 hour Le Mans, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a 24 hour race goes all day, all night. And uh, I think they have multiple drivers and apparently they, um, Apparently, um, they they have a a video game version of it, eSport. Um, you know, I don't know what video game this is. Um, 
you know, so if, if anyone in chat happens to know, but apparently it seems like they do a virtual version of it. You know, this guy's got a, um, like a little cockpit and, you know, mirrors, I mean, uh, monitors and stuff. So what, what's interesting is it says a cybersecurity event. Guys, it could have been anyone. Um, it could have been anyone, really. Like, I, I know they said cybersecurity incident. It probably is easy to cover it that way by saying it's a cybersecurity incident. But it it is interesting to me that something that is so critically dependent on network connectivity wouldn't have better um, resiliency and security in place. And, you know, this guy basically got booted. He was in the lead and now he's disqualified. I, I, I wonder... Um, two things. One, you know, obviously my first thought goes to straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. Dude, people are definitely betting on this, right? And it's very easy to influence the outcome of an esporting event by, you know, attacking it. If this guy was in first place and I had bet a significant amount of money on the guy who's in second place winning it, uh, you know, knocking the first place guy off offline, effectively removing him from the race, sounds like a pretty great idea uh, to do this. Uh, I think the guy has every right to be pissed off, um, considering, um, you know, the race organizers and the infrastructure of the platform uh, was compromised, so they they couldn't do it. So, <sighs> anyways, whatever. It just goes to show you, even esports uh, can be big business, big money, and suffer whatever quote-unquote cyber attacks qbot overtakes emotet checkpoint released its global threat index for december 2022 finding that the qbot trojan overtook the prevalent emotet botnet as the most prevalent malware in the wild hitting seven percent of global organizations among other trends found in the report the glupteba blockchain trojan botnet returned to the top 10 for the first time since july and the android ad distributor malware hidad rose to the top three in mobile malware Overall, Checkpoint found a growing trend of malware masquerading as legitimate software to let attackers access systems without raising suspicions. All right, so this is this is interesting. Okay, so Qbot overtook Emotet. Um, if you're new to the industry or you know, um, kind of like trying to break in, uh, it's important to know these type of malware variants. So Emotet, very very popular, uh, very very effective initial infection. Uh, type malware, right? It, it kind of uh, busts in and, and and opens up the compromised endpoint. And then it typically is used to pull down uh, post-exploitation malware like TrickBot or, you know, uh, some type of like Cobalt Strike or something like that. But Emotet's initial infection. In fact, I actually attended a talk that wasn't recorded by the FBI um, at Charleston B-Sides this year where the FBI gave a presentation on how they took down the initial uh, instance of Emotet, very, very interesting, very complicated infrastructure. The, the threat actors behind Emotet are professional criminals, and uh, it was bananas what they did. So definitely get familiar with Emotet. Uh, it's definitely worth knowing. And then the fact that Qbot was over to, able to overtake it, I don't know too much about Qbot, but I want to know more simply because, um, dude, 7% of organizations worldwide, all of all organizations, 7% uh, infected by QBot. So, uh, you know, if you're just looking for a return on your investment of focusing on, uh, you know, testing to see if your infrastructure, your EDR solution, your security technologies uh, can help defend you, you may want to throw QBot at it, at least in a lab 
to, to identify um, how your systems would respond, how your SOC analysts might detect it and stuff like that. Um, definitely interesting. Um, so I appreciate this. This, this, uh, this report, like this information is coming from the Global Threat Index by Checkpoint Software. Again, you know, this is one of those ones where it's vendor, <clears throat> vendor developed. Obviously, they make software that helps combat malware, so they're interested in it. But I, I do believe that this report is much more statistically sound and objective in that they're just pointing out what their, their tech stacks across all of their client base has observed. Um, that's what I would guess is the, uh, the impetus or the inputs to this particular report. This would be a good one to pull. I love the Verizon data breach. Um, I, I love reading the Verizon data breach uh, report every year. That's a really great one. Uh, and then things like this are always quite interesting to me. It kind of allows you to like stick your, your finger in your mouth and, and kind of test the winds of what's going on at the macro level. If you are looking to break in the industry, this is definitely something you should review and then just like bust out some knowledge bombs in an interview about it. It was a joint operation between FBI and uh, Europol and Interpol. Circle CI breach caused by InfoStealer. The continuous integration platform confirmed it experienced a data breach on January 4th. InfoStealing malware on an employee laptop resulted in the leaked data. As a result, attackers were able to capture a valid 2FA-backed single sign-on session on December 16th. The antivirus software on the laptop did not detect the malware. Due to the employee's access credentials, attackers were able to access some production systems. CircleCI encrypted the access data, but the attacker was able to exfiltrate encryption keys from a running process. The company said it closed the attack vector and added additional layers of security, meaning current customers can continue safely using its services. All right. So we, we covered this story a couple of days ago. CircleCI, pretty well-known uh, DevOps platform, right? And basically a threat actor got into it. It looks like they've done some research on here. Uh, develop, uh, an engineer. So there's a bunch going on here. An engineer, uh, you know, they had 2FA. 2FA is not a silver bullet, guys. Uh, and this is a perfect example. You might even be able, like, this is another one to kind of bust out in an interview. Like 2FA is great and we absolutely should do it. But if an engineer gets malware on their workstation, like um, an info stealer, like check out Redline Info Stealer. That's a very popular info stealer malware right now. That you can steal the authentication token um, that has the 2FA already uh, um, uh, validated, and then which would then allow the threat actor kind of mosey around. They also said in the story that the uh, security technology on the workstation was unable to detect the malware, which basically just means. The EDR solution, the endpoint detection and response, the anti-malware thing on the computer, didn't see it, and it was able to uh, load. Another another thing here, so like poor Circle CI, but it's important to note, guys. This is why it's called cyber resiliency, not cybersecurity. They were doing the right things. They had EDR, they had 2FA, and they still got compromised. Okay, you need defense in depth. You need layers. You need to not only be able to stop it, but you also need to be able to detect it, right? Through like SIM and log analysis and those type of things, right? And that's that's it apparently how they detected it here. Um, you know, EDR, 
great solution, not bulletproof. I know some people um, say that, like, uh, I've heard Eric Taylor say that um, threat actors can shred Microsoft Defender. For example, I know Conti Ransomware Gang, uh, Wizard Spider, they actually had a, a whole department of people working for them, right? That would test the current variants of their malware, their ransomware payloads on computers that had Sentinel-1, Carbon Black, Microsoft Defender, popular EDR solutions. And they would test it to see if the EDR solution would detect it and stop the ransomware payload or not. And if it did, they would send it back to the dev team and the dev team would tweak it or whatever and then send it back to the testers. The testers would then run it. And if the EDR solution did not detect it, then they would send it to the production team to deploy into the environment, right? So, hey, like, you know, the malware works correctly. The EDR don't detect it, send it out. Ransomware, all the boxes. And because you know, Sentinel One, Carbon Black, all these guys have, have um, tons of people working on adjusting the EDR solution to detect the malware. It was like a cat and mouse game or a race condition. So like every four hours, you know, the EDR solution would be like, oh, okay, like it, it, here's how they're doing it now. Let's detect it. The testing team at the Threat Actor Group would say, oh, they, they've detected it now because they're getting pushed updated versions of the EDR solution. And then they would send it back to the dev team and make adjustments. And again, so it was very much a, a race condition. And, and yet another reason why Conti ransomware was so effective is because they were investing in quickly modifying the code or the way it worked in order to circumvent EDR solutions. So that's the deal with CircleCI. Um, they had great technologies in place and still got compromised. Cuts off third-party clients. Last week, users of some third-party Twitter clients began to report seeing errors with Twitter's API, resulting in clients no longer updating. At the time of this recording, the company and CEO Elon Musk did not comment on the outage. For a time, it remained unclear if this occurred due to technical issues, not improbable given Twitter's mass recent layoffs. However, the information reports that, according to an internal Slack message from a senior Twitter software engineer, third-party app suspensions are intentional. Slack messages also show Twitter started to work on comms regarding revoking access, but had no estimate when it would be ready. All right. And now so, you know, I guess we'll see uh, APIs application programming interfaces are pretty standard in cloud-based systems, right? Like Twitter, they allow people to integrate with your platform, extend functionality, increase ability and usability and exposure. So if Twitter isn't intentionally suspending third-party apps, Twitter is effectively cutting off tons of services. Now, you could argue well, I guess let's keep the cybersecurity focused. If you are using some type of program or application or whatever to help manage your cybersecurity program or manage threat intelligence or whatever, you may find that it's actually uh, been disabled or it doesn't work anymore. I have to imagine that they didn't get rid of APIs. That would be so stupid and so that would be so dumb, right? You are so dumb. But you know, weird, weird crap happens. Hey, hey. So, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, the only thing I could think of here is that Twitter, thank you, close that, yeah, thank you, uh, is that Twitter um, is thinking that they're going to create all of the, all the things that are hooked into Twitter right now that they're cutting off. Twitter's going to create their own versions to beef up the platform and make them the center of the universe. 
Uh, it does seem like cutting off your nose to spite your face. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens. But if it is intentional, this obviously disrupts the ecosystem. Uh, and Twitter, <laughs> you know, Twitter is a dumpster fire already. Uh, I don't know if this helps correct the, the listing of the ship or if this is just throwing kerosene on an inferno um, that is already, um, you know, fully, fully on fire. Here, let me give you this. This is what I see right here. This is fine. <laughs> That's what I'm seeing with that. So whatever. The TLDR, if, you, if you're using any third-party apps, they may not work. There may be some issues. I don't know. A word from our sponsor, Serbi. Do you know that over 60% of cloud applications used by your company don't support identity standards like single sign-on? And that these applications are the leading cause of breaches? Serbi can help. Serbi discovers new applications, eliminates manual security tasks like offboarding, and addresses misconfigurations like disabled 2FA while increasing employee productivity. Wait, a security tool that increases productivity? Yep. Learn more at serby.com. That's C-E-R-B-Y.com. All right, it's mid-roll, so let's take a second. Hey, 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 all right. Want to take a hot minute and thank all of you for being here. Whoa, we got 10 gifted subs. Let me see who that's from. Joel Belton, my man, Joel Belton. What? We just become best friends. Yep. Thanks, Joel Belton. Guys, if you're one of the recipients of the gifted membership from Joel Belton, be sure to thank him. Just like I'm going to thank all of you for being here today and being part of the Simply Cyber community. Genuinely appreciate all of you. Again, thanks and shout out to Barricade Cyber Solutions and Recon InfoSec for their continued support. If you're getting entertainment value out of the stream, if you're getting educational content from the stream, Please take a moment and hit the like button. It does go a very long way. It's a very simple action for you, but it has profound impact for me. It will allow other cybersecurity professionals that don't know about Simply Cyber to be told about Simply Cyber and come join our community. Come to the daily th threat briefings. I genuinely enjoy it. And all I ask is that you hit the like button. If you got the newsletter today, you know how much goodness there is. I actually had some people message me yesterday wanting to know where their newsletter was, uh, kind of, kind of, kind of aggressively. Um, it was delivered today because of the holiday. But if you want to get on the train and get it next Monday, 6 a.m. Eastern time, go to simplycyber.io/newsletter to sign up and start getting the newsletter where I deliver three pieces of actionable intel in a very easy to consume manner every single week. And if you don't like it, unsubscribe. I don't care. No hard feelings. It's that easy. All right. It is Tidbits Tuesday, which if you're new here or you missed the last couple because this is a relatively new thing, every single Tuesday I share a little personal, a little personal thing uh, about me just so you get to know me a little bit more. Today I think might be... Uh, I think today might might turn some people off. So, <laughs> all right, here's a here's a fact, okay. Besides running, I'm a runner, okay. Besides running, I, I wear socks when I run, obviously. 
Um, and if I'm wearing a business suit, which I only do if I'm going to an in-person job interview, I wear socks. But besides that, I haven't worn socks in probably seven years. I just don't wear them. I, I don't like the way they feel. I don't need them. My feet don't get all nasty and gunky. I'm very fortunate. I mostly wear Adidas sandals like this guy. It all over the house. I have house sandals and I wear slip-ons when I'm out. So I am a no, sh no sock guy. And if that's a problem, I'm sorry. It's just who I am. Johnny's unsubbing. <laughs> it could be a wrestler thing. I don't know. I just, at some point, I just stopped. Like, I just, I woke up one day and I was like, I don't like the way these feel on my feet. I'm out of here. Yeah, exactly. So that's the deal. I love it. Oh, yeah, Usha, these sandals, like, I basically have, like, six boxes of Adidas sandals in my closet. And every, like, six months, I just throw out the pair I'm wearing and put on a new pair. Um, it's just what I do. All right. La, 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 la. La, 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 la. So that's your tidbit Tuesday. Let's get back into the news, guys. D declared to register new users. Since China launched its crackdown on big tech companies in 2021, DD Global remained in the government's regulatory crosshairs. Following a listing on the New York Stock Exchange, the Cyberspace Administration of China required the firm to undergo a cybersecurity review, which required it to delist from the exchange, stop accepting new registrations for new users, and delist its apps from mobile app stores. After paying record fines last year, the company now says regulators cleared it to register new users for its core ride-hailing services. As part of this reinstatement, the company said it took measures to ensure platform safety and data security and safeguard national cyberspace security. Okay, get your tinfoil hats. Get your tinfoil hat emotes. Here we go. Let me do this. Ding, 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 ding. All right. Now, if you guys don't remember, Didi is basically like Chinese Uber, okay? And they were put on a, a naughty list uh, by China, because I think, if I'm not mistaken, they listed themselves on like the New York Stock Exchange, right? And China, which you know, is an authoritative regime that basically in it, it like in, in in inputs itself into the business commercial sector of businesses, right? Putting government officials on boards and stuff like that. They basically did not like what Didi did, and you know, basically put, put him, put a ban hammer on him and was like, you know, they said, Oh, cybersecurity issues and some other things. But to me, tinfoil hat, it was clear as day. Um, China was, uh, whapping Didi's, um, wrist and, and, you know, like, uh, 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 uh you gotta play by our rules, pal. Uh, if you want to play in the sandbox, so this 18-month ban, they went through all the hoops and hurdles and everything that they had to get through. And now Didi's um, got the green light, been approved, been stamped by the Chinese government to operate again. Um, I'm telling you, anyone in China that does anything that's not like in, in lockstep with like the Chinese government, they, they like disappear for a little bit. And when they come back, they're, they're like, ah, I was just kidding about all those things I did or said, or you're listing on the New York stock exchange or whatever. So, you know, this is just another example uh, of, of, of where that happens with these big businesses. The fact that Didi was able to operate without bankrupting 
for 18 months just shows you how strong a company it is and, and what like they didn't get any new users for 18 months. That's usually um insane for business, right? They have 25 apps that were banned. Um and again, yeah, regulatory troubles. So maybe they were doing something they shouldn't, but based on what I recall, it was much more because they um they didn't play by China's rules. So there you go. Didi's back on board. Binance freezes crypto withdrawals by Lazarus Group. Oh, my God. Last summer, security researchers tied the North Korean threat organization Lazarus Group to an attack on the Horizon Bridge used by the blockchain company Harmony. The attack exfiltrated roughly $100 million worth of crypto assets. Now, Binance reports it detected the group trying to launder funds through the Huobi exchange. It contacted the exchange and worked together to freeze and recover 121 bitcoins worth about $2.5 million. Cryptocurrency investigator Zach XBT noted that over the weekend, the group moved about 41,000 Ether, worth about $64 million, before Binance detected any activity. Wow. Okay, here we go. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. All right. So there's a lot going on here. First of all, way to go, Binance. Um, La okay, there's a lot going on here. Okay, so really quickly, Lazarus Group is the North Korean APT faction that basically does um, cyber bank heists, right? They're the ones who did the Bangladeshi bank heist. Google that. Bangladesh bank heist. It was a, a billion-dollar attempt. They're the ones who stole the um, like $600 million from the Axie Infinity Ronin Bridge last year. And... They stole a hundred million dollars from Harmony One. I, you know, I didn't know about that. Okay, so Lazarus Group is very, very good at what they do, and they're very, very serious. Like they go for the big, the big scores, right? It's like the movie Heat. If you ever seen that with Robert De Niro, Tom Sizemore, Al Pacino, sick movie, wicked good. Val Kilmer. Um, but it's like big scores. Okay, so now you've stolen all this money, but you can't like. You can't buy intercontinental ballistic missiles with crypto. You can't buy, you know, food with crypto. I mean, you can get pizzas delivered or whatever back in the day, but you know what I'm saying. Just because you steal $100 million doesn't mean you, you can do anything with it. You need to launder it. And because it's crypto and the blockchain is an immutable ledger, we're able to keep an eye on what these threat actors are doing. Now, they were able to move $60 million before Binance detected that they were doing money laundering operations. So that sucks. But um, they were able to recover two and a half million, which like if, if I just told you in a vacuum, hey, like we, we recovered two and a half million dollars, you'd be like, yeah, that's sick. But then if I told you um, 100 million was stolen, 64 of it was able to be laundered. We got you 2 million back. You'd be like, ugh, like, okay. So genuinely appreciate that. Now you might think, Jerry, the blockchain, it's immutable. Why can't they just track everything? This graphic right here looks interesting. Like this, this is what, this is how they did it. Look at this thing. This is bananas. This is how you launder $64 million. Holy crap. You see what's going on here? You've got three different exchanges. Whoops. You've got three different exchanges. Um, you've got Tornado Cash, which is like a blender mixing service up, up um, at the top. All these withdrawals here. I have no freaking clue what a railgun is or railgun deposits. I'll have to Google that. And then, then you can see all like, 
dude, all of this hot mess down here in the middle, those are all different wallets, you know, trading with each other and stuff like that. And then going through three different exchanges. This is why it's not as simple as following one wallet to another wallet. This is why this, this is what professional criminals do when they launder crypto money. It's insane what is going on here. And, and by the way, keeping track of all of it uh, is pretty crazy. But, you know, once they set it all up and, and get ready to hit the button, they hit the button and it's off and running. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll have to get understand what a railgun is or ask, uh, what's his face? Finfrock. Finfrock would know what a railgun is. All right. The other thing I want to point out on this story, and I, and I apologize. Actually, I'll come back to it during the jaw jacking section. I have a I have a really big problem with this with this situation right here. I'll return after for the jaw jacking, like to the point where I'm like super annoyed with this something on this page right here. China leads in AI research. Between the cybersecurity implications of things like deepfakes and chat GPT, we cover a lot of potential malicious use cases for emerging AI systems. Most of the ones we cover come from companies with ties to the U.S. However, a new study from Nikkei and the Dutch scientific publisher Elsevier found that of AI-related academic papers published in 2021, China produced about 31% leading all nations with 43,000 papers, almost double the papers from the U.S., China also led in the most cited papers, accounting for 7,401 of the top 10% of citations by other papers. Overall, academic papers on AI increased from about 25,000 in 2012 to about 135,000 in 2021. Yeah, so no surprise, uh, China is doing massive amounts of research in AI. I also want to point out, and this is not all Chinese people, so I'm not I'm not stereotyping or anything like that, but just know that China steals a lot of research as well. Like they, they definitely get all up into higher education, which has terrible security anyways, get all up in higher ed and then commit espionage to take, um, you know, d data and research away. Cause you got to remember guys, like really quickly, the cost of information, right? Like, like research it's, you know, time, right? So first of all, you have to have the capital investment to hire the staff or hire the people or hire the researchers or whatever. So there's one thing. Then they have to do all the research and that takes time, money, effort, trial, error, all of that. And then finally you get some research, some, some advantage, right? That's the value of information. It's all of that cost bundled up into the value of that information. And then obviously, what do you do with that information, right? For AI, maybe you you create ChatGPT, which Microsoft just gave $10 billion to buy 49% of, right? So there's big money to be had. So if you can steal that information, you don't have to pay the capital costs. You don't have to invest the time. That's why people commit espionage. That's why they steal data. <laughs> Look at... Look at, just look at what's going on right now with um, Rivian. Rivian and Tesla, right? Tesla accuses Rivian of stealing its 4680 battery technology. Yes, this happened. Do you know why? Because it's faster to steal it 
costs way less than it does to build your own. Okay. Again, I'm not stereotyping. I'm just saying it's it's been it's been noted. Like China has committed espionage several different ways, and the United States does it too, right? So you know, but in the world of AI, they are crushing it, crushing it, crushing it, crushing it, both in research and in product to market. Um, there's a there's a technology um, company out of China. I had a conversation with them. They 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 stopped talking to me, um, which really felt weird and uncomfortable. But there's a company that um, when I was looking at AI technologies, one was called Synthesia and the other one was um, just eluding me, but they're, they're incredible as far as creating real looking humans that act and respond and interact with you uh, in a very believable way, like way past the uncanny valley stage. U.S. to launch third Hack the Pentagon bug bounty. The U.S. Department of Defense initially ran the bug bounty program in 2016 and hasn't operated it since a second round in 2018. DOD confirmed it will launch a third iteration, which will focus on finding vulnerabilities in the Facility-Related Control Systems, or FRCS, network. FRCS infrastructure monitors systems used at government facilities, controlling fire and safety systems, HVAC, and physical security. The department will work with trusted contractors on the program, providing access to assets for a 72-hour challenge phase window. The program will only operate on unclassified systems and operational technology. This week on the C... All right, yeah, so I love this. Um, hack the Pentagon, hack a satellite, hack the DOD, hack the Air Force, you know, ha hack all the things. Dude, I, I love this. They've been doing this since 2016. This is an invite-only bug bounty program, so it's not open to everybody. This isn't an invitation to hack the planet. Um, but by crowdsourcing security researchers and financially incentivizing them, cash, you're able to get really great talent to look for and discover weaknesses in your infrastructure which then, you know, obviously get fixed and repaired. And because it's an invite only, all of the security researchers are vetted. Um, I'm sure they have an NDA on whatever they find. Um, so this is pretty cool. I do like that they're focusing on um, specific FRCS, facility-related control systems. This is basically like your industrial control systems for managing sites, right? So uh, HVAC systems, you got to think the DOD has like, you know, areas where they're sealed off, like for, for blasts or, you know, um, uh, like military attacks and stuff like that. So they probably have controlled oxygen areas and controlled, you know, systems for managing water, plumbing, um, again, oxygen, you know, how, 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 how on Halon, Halon, whatever, for putting fires out, all that crap. So if someone, you know, if they can, if they can release, um, you know, um, all the water into the building or something, you could cause a pretty dramatic pr uh, problem. So I, I love this. Um, you know, I would expect to see findings from this. Um, you know, the U.S. government has been doing a good job of like promoting and um, sharing the wins from this program. They won't go into detail on what was discovered, but they'll probably cover who won it or what the outcomes were of those things. So definitely appreciate that and love it. All right. That is going to do it for today's news. I want to remind everybody that my guest on Thursday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time will be Ian Garrett. Ian Garrett is a uh, serial entrepreneur and a cybersecurity expert and a really nice guy. 
Uh, he is going to be telling us exactly step by step how to how to basically start your own cybersecurity startup, uh, which is pretty pretty cool. Um, he's done it more than once. He knows how to get investment dollars. He knows how to break up equity. He knows how to approach market. He knows how to uh, he knows how to do all the things, and he's going to tell us. Consider it like a, a master class on uh, business. That's what we're going to be getting from this guy. And he's, he's really, really cool and really, really smart. If you are here just for the news, I genuinely appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here. Feel free to uh, bounce on out of here. We'll be back tomorrow at Wednesday, 8 a.m. Eastern time for the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Now, if you're here for a little bit of jaw jacking, a little bit of hangout, let's revisit this story right here. Because I... I cannot get angry enough at this one. Look at this right here, guys. This is a story, right? Just a story, no big deal. Collect this article as an NFT. What are we talking about? Own this piece of history. Hmm. Let's 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 investigate a little bit on this. What are they talking about? Yep. You too can own this picture for 24 us dollars i also want to point out first of all that's stupid second of all i want to point out that there's still wait you can't see it because of the uh how do i how do i make it so you guys can see this crap I can't do it because of the screen i don't know if you can see this but it says 10 of 10 available so you're not even getting one you're not even getting the unique one oh you're you can own this but so can nine other people so like the legitimacy of it being unique is already blown up and yes i get it please don't blow me up in chat i understand it's a non-fungible token underneath that is unique but what they're really trying to say is you can own this picture this nft and it'll be all yours uniquely yours except nine other people can also own it and it's $24. And because I was like getting annoyed, I read the terms of service, which nobody ever reads except me. They don't, you, you don't own it. <laughs> Basically you get the NFT, but they, they reserve the right to change, change the story, change the picture, change all of it. The only thing they don't have the right to do is change the NFT, the token underneath it. They also could sell it again. Um, they also, um, like, like nothing about it. Like basically they're just, this is, it's, it's not a grift because you are legitimately buying the non-fungible token underneath, but this is so stupid. It, 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 it blows my mind. It blows my mind. And I, I really w wish I could see how many of these they were selling. I mean, I mean, I guess I could look at these other stories. Oh, someone bought one of these. This has nine to 10 remaining. What, what do we got? This Logan Paul one. Let's take a look. Ooh, this, that one, this Logan Paul one, $62. One of 10. Still, someone bought it. So I, I don't know. I, I, this is why it's jaw jacking. It's so stupid. Right click pick, save that. Yeah, exactly here. Yes. Let me, uh, yes, yes. Ooh, yeah. Let me, hold on. I think I accidentally just, uh, I think I accidentally saved the, uh, <laughs> the page, whatever. 
Anyways, like, oh, hold on. Let me do this. Yes. There we go. Now, now I own. Now I own it. Let me, let me do this. <laughs> I just, I find it so dumb. That, like, like the idea that they're doing it's not so dumb. It's that people are buying it. Like, what are you doing? Look at me. Look at me. Yes. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Sure. I'm the captain now. I own it. Nailed it. Let's see. Let's see what people are saying. I haven't really gotten into crypto. Probably did have to say this. What did Haircut Fish say? No, I know Chris Weaver that the, um, I understand that like, this is just the picture and you can't, you can't validate this underneath on the blockchain as being the legit one, but th th there's no utility to the NFT. Like, I don't know. It's so dumb. Let's see. People, people play gotcha games and that's just as crazy. Like Tamagotchi? I don't know. Yeah. Nice. All right. Just just to share a couple more things with you guys since we're having like a few minutes of jo what what is this? Oh shit, I got to go. I got a meeting. Oops. All right, I got to go everybody. Thank you so much. I'll see you uh later. Bye. Have a good day. 8 a.m. tomorrow. Got to go.